And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Outoflimitsradio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. I uh, can't begin to tell you how happy I am to be with you tonight because... Um, Earlier this month, I didn't know if I was going to be with you. I I thought I was going to die, and I'll kind of give you a a quick synopsis of what's been happening. On July 9th, I got diagnosed with something called Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, which is lethal if you don't treat it right away. And of course, I went to my primary care doctor, who I'll be referring to as the effing idiot, (laughs) because all they wanted to do was test me for COVID, and... If I didn't get this test to find out if I had Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, I you know, could have died. So anyway, that was about a week of hell. Um, and then around August 9th, about a month of the day, I'm back in the doctor's office. And this time I had COVID. And I wish I could tell you that the experience was as mild as most people talk about. I mean, we've had some people on our show before, like Jason Kristoff who were like, oh, COVID doesn't exist. And some other people are saying, well, it doesn't really, really matter. And I just want to tell you that from my firsthand experience, um, it was it was total hell. I went through about two weeks of pure hell. And to give you a quick synopsis of what I was feeling, uh, it was nauseous almost 24 hours a day. I would have a fever five or six times a day. Um, you know, I would fall asleep and be in and out of uh, consciousness and my wife got it too and then we were trying to take care of our little little baby rider and that was extremely challenging because we couldn't call anyone so um and the nightmares were just were outlandish so i just want to tell you that you know that's what's been going on it was absolutely hellacious i i i was praying to to die um several times it was that bad I know this thing's got a 99% recovery rate, but uh, it was just awful. And let me first off say that my position on on COVID and the vaccines has not changed for one damn bit. I can't tell you how many people have been coming up to me. All of a sudden, they're like, Dr. Phil, they're just like, well, if you had this vaccine, you'd be okay and it wouldn't be that bad. All of a sudden they know that they, they know that's what the case is. And I don't believe it for one second. And I don't care that the FDA approved these vaccines. They, they, they went ahead and approved something in eight months and the average approval rate uh, for the FDA apparently is about 12 years. So I don't trust them for one second. I don't trust uh, this vaccine for one second. I mean, you are more than welcome to take it if you want to, but I'm not going to, and I'm not going to feel pressure because more people in my life all of a sudden they, they decide they're going to take it so I'm not going to waver on that at all and uh, you can decide what you want to do I just want to um, tell you a couple quick things that I learned from this experience with COVID 
that I hope um, you take away from. First off, uh, Flicker Ron, Joyce Keller, Lisa McGarity, and my father, Bill McCormick, probably the four most important people. Uh, they literally like saved my life, especially Flicker Ron. So I want to say that if you um, maybe you want to prepare um, that you you may get this thing. I mean, I didn't think I was going to get COVID because I you know I, I took a lot of vitamin D and I exercised and. I really try to keep myself in shape, so I was surprised that I got it, and I got it as severe. But I would say these are some things I hope you can do uh, beforehand because if you get it, at least you know, you'll be prepared. The first thing is be friends with Flickr on. Find her on social media and just connect with her. She's an angel. Uh, so just having that energetic connection I think will be really helpful. Uh, number two is get something called a nebulizer. Somebody was kind enough to get me one of these machines right away. And what it does is that it helps you breathe and it helps clear out your lungs. And that's one of the hardest things about COVID since I'm recovering from it is that I've had this really bad cough and my lung capacity is not what it uh, used to be. I think it's about maybe 60%. I got my chest x-rayed and um, they said it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as what it could be. But nonetheless, get a nebulizer, just have it on hand. Uh, number three, I would say get some ivermectin, um, have it on hand because the last thing you want to do is be in a situation where you need it and you don't have it. And uh, I was just able to take some of that in the beginning and I think that as bad as things were, it actually made things less worse because I was taking that. Um, number four, make sure you have a stacked medicine cabinet, especially when it comes to Tylenol because with this thing, at least in my experience, you're going to have very high fevers and you want to control that. So at least have um, a prepared medicine cabinet. And uh, the fifth thing I'm going to recommend is to have extra food on hand. We've talked so much on this show about prepping and having some extra food. So I highly recommend you, know, you have um, some storable food because uh, during this experience, I wasn't able to, to leave. I couldn't go out of my house. I was literally too weak to even get off the couch to go get food so i'm very because you know i've been prepared you know some kind of a prepper i had extra food on hand so make sure you have that so um that's my experience and um that's why it's um there haven't been that many shows on the last month so i apologize but i'm recovering and getting back in and tonight our featured guest is a passionate freedom advocate he's somebody who i have a tremendous amount of respect for and he's somebody who works with Dr. Ron Paul. And this person is a terrific presenter of ideas based on freedom. And he's going to explain, you know, how we can keep that spirit going strong. Uh, before we begin, I just want to say one last thing. I'll emphasize it again. You're probably going to feel a lot of pressure in your life, peer pressure, because people want you to act a certain way. And, you know, it's because there seems to be this, like, inevitability that, oh, well, Things are going to be this way. Well, I highly recommend to you is to stick with your guns and be true to yourself. Don't give a damn what other people think. And quite frankly, I think most people are just selfish and they're in for themselves and they're just in fitting in. And, you know, just be true to yourself. And if you have a belief, stick with that belief, especially if it serves you well. Thank you and let us begin tonight's show. Welcoming back to the show is Chris Rosini. Editor writer for the Ron Paul Liberty Report, as well as media coordinator for Dr. Ron Paul. 
know more about Chris and read his wonderful articles by going to ronpaullibertyreport.com. Mr. Rizzini, welcome back to our show. It's great to be back with you. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. So I would love to say that since the last time we spoke, the world has gotten wonderful. And there's been more freedom. Unfortunately, opposite direction. And that's just not because I'm uh, a pessimist. So in the last four or five months, where do you see things heading in the U.S.? Are you optimistic? Are you pessimistic in the short and long term? Uh, always long-term optimistic, uh, so that doesn't change. But even, you know, I'm seeing things in the short term that uh, make me optimistic. Um, I'm not sure where you stand on this. I, I would assume that you're uh, close to where I what I believe, but I don't think these vaccines should be mandated or against vaccine passports. Agree. And we're seeing um, tremendous pushback. Over the weekend, there were protests all over the world which I thought was wonderful. Obviously, if people were violent, I don't think that's wonderful. I think, but I think, uh, you know, there was at least a vast majority of what I saw were just, you know, hordes of people all over the world that were out uh, expressing themselves that they're against these ridiculous, tyrannical ideas. So that makes me optimistic because, you know, when COVID hit, uh, it seemed like the people of the world rolled over. And we paid a heavy, heavy, heavy price for doing so with uh, the lockdowns, the masks, the, what I call anti-social distancing. So rolling over, let the bad guys roll right over us. But, you know, now they're coming back with, uh, uh, with policies that are horrendous and that would affect every single one of our lives on a daily basis. And I'm very happy to see that there is as much resistance as there is. Hey, one of your recent articles talked about how it's called, we know that they're lying, they know that they're lying, and they know that we know that they're lying. Well, that being said, are they even remotely afraid of us? And also, you mentioned that uh, libertarian philosophy is non-aggression and i would love to think that we can resolve this in a peaceful way but the people who founded america founding fathers they obviously they didn't think that they could resolve this peacefully they had to take arms they had to use force and when we're at the point right now where we have these sociopaths they want to put something in us they want to inject us with this untested vaccine i is there a point where violence is necessary? I mean, even though you, you could be pro-peace to the end, but is there a point where you have no other choice? And, and uh, what do you think would be an indication of that? Yeah. Um, well, when you when you think about the American Revolution, we only fought it because the British came here to fight. So if the British would have stayed home, there would have been no war. So they, you know, they crossed the ocean to fight against us. Uh, yeah, I am not a fan of violence because even revolutions, uh, you know, it's a centralization of power. It's, uh, you know, you have mob mentality, you have uh, conscription and taxation and the and individualism disappears, even revolutions that are, you know, quote unquote, for something good. So I'm definitely no fan of that. But, uh, you know, they are trying to stick stuff in our bodies. Now, at this point, it's they're doing their best to not uh, 
you know, to leave it up to us. So it's not, you know, force yet, and hopefully never will be. Uh, you know, I don't think, you know, from what I see, it looks like I would say about half the people went for these vaccines. And, you know, if that, that's their choice to do so. Uh, but, you know, it means the other half did not. So that's a, a, a much different picture than if it was 90% did and 10% didn't, which is what they wanted for sure, so that they could squeeze the other 10%. But it's not easy to squeeze 50% of the country. So again, that's a positive thing. Um, and, you know, I, we've got to take it day by day. And, and you got to, each of us have to do what is best for your family. And if that's your line in the sand, and it's, it's the line in the sand for many people that I read, they will not allow anybody to force a needle into their body when they don't want it. That's forced medical treatment. That's, you know, if you allow that to happen even once, then your freedom is gone because they'll do it again and again and again, and they'll never more. stop. And you can already see that they're, you know, tr starting with boosters and, uh, you know, so the door has been opened and they want to jam as many of these needles as they can. So we'll, we'll see. We have to take it day by day. Yeah, it's weird. It, it seems like it's such a racket for the pharmaceutical oh. industrial complex. Like I'm sure that they, they knew they were making a ton of money off this. And if they really care, like why would they make insulin shots readily available to people? Why wouldn't they mm -hmm. allow other shots to be readily available? When, mm -hmm. If we do see uh, violence be, as a result of these people infringing upon others, do you think there'll ever be a point in the libertarian community where some violence behaviors will say, okay, well, well we're going to completely condemn that, and some will say, well, look, you know, that's justified. I mean, collectively speaking, is there a collective um, consensus in the libertarian community about what the fine line in the sand is? I mean, you mentioned the idea just before that some people won't allow another to inject something in their, in their you know, bloodstream. But is there something else? Is there something else, a line that cannot be crossed for which the collective community of libertarians would say, oh, no, that's it. You, you don't do that. Well, you know, I don't know if there is a collective community of libertarians. You know, even within libertarianism, there's a lot of division of, uh, as to what they think is acceptable and what is not. One thing that I think we have going for us is this is a massive country that we live in. Uh, this is not England. This is not Greece. This is a huge country that uh, has decentralized um, ideas in, in different areas. So if you're in the Northeast and the Northeast turn into tyrants, you can go south or to the Midwest. Uh, you know, that now these are the hard decisions that you know, we don't know which of us are going to have to make it or if at all. But we we are fortunate to live in such a big nation where there are states. I saw in Alabama, it's, they're down like 30 percent got the vaccine. That's so that'd amazing. be a great place to run to, <laughs> you know. Uh, so but this is the story of life. People flee tyrannical countries to more free countries. We've seen through this COVID episode, people flee tyrannical cities to freer states like Florida, Texas, um, South Dakota. They're, they're booming because people want to be free and they will, uh, they will flee if they have to. 
And so I think that that is a positive that we live in such a big nation that is not united uh, at all. You know, uh, we we have this massive government that tries to force everything on everyone, but people get around it with whether it's Ron DeSantis or Greg Abbott or governors that refuse. So these are big positives uh, that uh, we have going for us. Excellent. And based on some of the positives, you wrote another article about how the ideas of liberty win. I was wondering if you can please elaborate on how the ideas of liberty do win, how they do spread. And also, if you can address this weird thing that's happening in our culture where we have the youth of America absolutely passionate and loving Marxism. We love Marxism and communism. Yet, they somehow, for some reason, don't seem to, to... to watch videos about what's happening in Venezuela or seem to know what's going on in Cuba. I mean, all these, yeah, communism is great. We should have it here. I, I don't understand. I don't understand how uh, libertarian, how, sorry, how Marxism and communism capture the imagination of the youth of America, yet it's so difficult to share with others that, hey, why don't you just do whatever you want to do as long as you don't harm another human being? What, what's so difficult about that? So I'm curious to know... Uh, how liberty wins and why communism just is on fire with the youth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'll take the first part. Um, when I say liberty wins, there is no final victory for either liberty or tyranny because all of us are free to think and to choose. That means at any time someone could, you know, decide to act as a tyrant and be a tyrant. So there's no abolishing tyranny in this world. Uh, it's what we want is for liberty to dominate. And our country specifically has had two distinct phases. One at the beginning of our republic when liberty dominated. Now that does not mean, and it certainly was not the case, that everybody in the 17 and 1800s were libertarians. Not at all. There was a lot of authoritarianism, tyranny, but it was not the dominant idea that uh, you know people held in their minds. Uh, the ideas of our founders lasted for a good, you know, maybe hundred years, I would say, uh, and then towards the late 1800s, early 1900s, then this uh, the, this idea that government will manage all of life scientifically. They're progressives. They're going to nudge you to do the right things with laws, and they're going to be involved in every aspect of life. You know, that, that's what took over starting in the 1900s, and now we're 100 years into that. So we have two distinct Americas, and unfortunately, we're in the bad one right now. <laughs> we're not uh, <laughs> where the ideas of authoritarianism dominate. So by speaking by sharing the ideas of, of liberty, you know, uh, that's how our ideas can come to dominate again someday. It may be a decade from now, multiple decades, uh, who knows. But also the government is doing its part to help us because the worse that they get, the better our case looks for freedom. And I have seen that over, uh, you know, the past year in 2020, people that were non-political that you know barely talked about politics, and they are raging mad at what government did 
to their lives for over a year and they're still doing it. So a lot of eyes were opened, which means a lot of ears will be opened to an alternative to, you know, maybe government should be constrained like it was in our early history. Uh, not perfectly, of course, but, uh, you know, that's a much better idea than what we're doing. You know, now we're facing down needles. So, uh, so liberty can dominate again. And I just used the word win, but that's what I meant. Now, as far as communism, <laughs> it's crazy because you'd never, you know, think that those ideas, especially after an entire century of Nazism and, uh, you know, communism in China and Russia, that it would ever uh, come to dominate uh, the young minds here. But it has, and it's not really. Marxism per se, you know these students. There, it's almost like a uh, a thought police more than anything else. Because Marxism well, and socialism was that the state would control all industry, all uh, all property, uh, you know. And that's not what these people want. They want their iPhones. They want their Starbucks. They want their iMacs. They're not looking for the state. I mean, could you imagine if the state made computers? Oh, you, terrible. You go back to the Flintstones. Yeah. <laughs> so it's more of a, a, a thought police kind of Marxism that we're dealing with today. And I don't think it has legs. It's, it's going to burn out like it always does, because what eventually happens is nobody is ever pure enough for these people, that they eventually go after themselves. The, the purity test goes to, and, and we're starting to see it. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a leftist now, like Naomi Wolf. It doesn't matter if you're Yeah, they you're went a, after her so hard. It, it's really terrible yeah. because she did a lot. You know. and, and that's what the, there's a saying. The left always ends up eating its own. And that's what eventually happens. It happened with the Bolsheviks in Russia. It happened with the Jacobins in the French Revolution. They, their purity becomes so extreme that nobody is pure enough, and the whole thing will eventually fall apart. Unfortunately, it's an ugly scene when this happens. And, uh, you know, we don't know the future, but hopefully, you know, people come to their senses before it gets ugly. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for that moment. I've been waiting for a long time. I don't know if it's going to come because I still go to the store and well over 95% of the people are wearing masks. I'm sure most of them are vaccinated and they're still like, you know, they're freaking out. And then I still see people outside, 95 degree weather. We're, we're doing our jog with that mask on. And uh, I, I look at that person and I go, I don't really think that person is going to be part of the, of the revolution or going to be part of the, <laughs> of the solution. Yeah. It's kind of weird too, about this whole thing with the mask. I, my understanding is that when the authoritarians come into power, they, they try to get people to look at others and dehumanize others. So right now, I think they're trying to dehumanize the people who are not vaccinated. But if you look at the people wearing masks, I think it's easier to dehumanize people wearing masks because they, they, you're not seeing their faces. Uh, when it comes to authoritarians, you mentioned that uh, the end scene is pretty ugly. Right now, the state has tried to get people to get vaccines by offering them free donuts and free joints and free beers. And I guess they're not getting enough people to sign up uh, for that. So now they're, they're, they're using more force. When the state is utilizing that force, and ha they have to use force because their ideas aren't good enough, and they're able to do that, is that an indication that 
the core of the state is weakening or is it just that's who the state really is beneath all the uh, levels that uh, this is who they are they're just showing their teeth that have always been there is it an indication that they're weak or is it an indication that uh, the ideas of liberty are actually being um, winning in some capacity uh, I think it's the latter because force is costly no matter what you know wars are costly you're going to fight it's costly you're going to need people that are going that are going to fight for you so i don't think the state wants um to use well you know it's weird saying something like that meaning that's i don't think that's their you know prime option to use force especially in this country too where there's what 200 million guns you know americans are armed and and you know that second amendment may be the amendment that saved this country because, you know, governments would love to just roll over everybody, but they can't here because people are armed, thankfully. So that is a big impediment. And that's also why they're constantly trying to grab the guns and trying to whittle away. But uh, I don't think they're going to succeed there either. But yeah, the, the desperation that they are showing with these vaccines um, is, you know, what's their motives? There's, this can't be about health anymore. Because it logically makes no sense what they're doing, you know, uh, to try to take something that's experimental and inject it into 7 billion people. Uh, it makes no sense, especially for something with a 99.7% survival rate. Yeah, that's weird, and isn't people it? are not, yeah, people are not that, you know, gullible. And we're seeing it. And that's what's making them so mad. Because only they're obviously not satisfied with the number of people that have taken it, and they're they're getting you know, they're they're uh, it seems desperation to me, uh, which again is a good thing, because the fact that they have the amount of powers that they have now should have never happened. This is the, this is not what the role of government should be. So uh, you know again. It's reason to be optimistic, even though we're we're uh, living amongst very dark clouds. Yeah, it's weird. I just I couldn't agree with you what you said more. And yeah. right now, you, because it's trying to get as message out to as many people as possible. What are some of the things that you have done? Some of the things that you and Dr. Paul and Daniel McAdams do to spread the message of liberty to those who you know, don't necessarily know what liberty is or haven't been, you know, too engaged with it. I mean, it seems like the big tech companies, they're trying to censor people on social media. And, you know, if you're, the government's always trying to limit people gathering, and maybe this is the reason why they're, they're pushing this thing again. I mean, what are some of the best ways that you guys spread the ideas of liberty? And what are some of the best ways that others can spread the ideas of liberty? Yeah, well, the, the first uh, thing that I would say about that is you do not what, what discourages a lot of people is you think you need to change a billion minds you do not you only need a certain core people a number of people that are serious and let me give an example of what happened with covid ron DeSantis, who you know i don't know where he stands on a lot of positions i don't think i would agree with him on foreign policy but because uh, i doubt he's a non-interventionist but with covid and how he handled it, he was the lone wolf that did the right thing. And because of what he did, that he allowed people 
to make their own choices, freedom. He wasn't jamming these, um, these mandates on everyone. Because he did that, he was like a, you know, a light in a dark room. And because of that, other states like Texas, he ended up following DeSantis. And people all over the world saw what he did and saw that, hey, those people down in Florida, they're not wearing masks. They're, they're living their lives normally. Meanwhile, where we live here, they're treating us you know, like slaves. So that one man made a huge difference. So when you're uh, you know, speaking the ideas of liberty, you're not looking to get this big mass because the mass follows. That's just human nature. A majority of people will just follow what everyone else is doing. And if they see some, you know, a new kid in town and others are, 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 are excited about it, they'll follow just to follow. So you're just, your, your uh, goal is to reach the, the and, and you can't pinpoint, you don't know who you're reaching. So if you're tweeting, uh, you don't know who's, who's going to read it. If you're writing an article, if you're doing a podcast, you don't know who's going to listen and how it's going to reverberate, who they're going to talk to, who ends up talking to someone else who ends up talking to someone else, you can't follow the chain. You just, it comes out of your mouth and then you let it be. So if that's, that's the way it works, both for good and bad, you know, I recommend the good, the ideas of liberty are excellent. It's a part of, you know, of who you are. And, uh, you know, tyranny is a big effort. You can see how much it costs. They're going broke. Uh, you know, trying to wreck this false world that they're erecting, and they will go broke. So, uh, you know, it's it's the good fight, as they say, and you just have to uh, be a part of it and just, uh, you know, you, you can't follow how your words are going to affect people. They just will. Okay. Mr. Chris Rosini, thank you so much for being with us today once again. Again, Chris is the editor and writer for the Ron Paul Liberty Report, as well as a media, co media coordinator for Ron Paul. Learn more about Chris by going to ronpaullibertyreport.com. Chris, thank you so much for spending some time with us and sharing us uh, your terrific ideas of liberty. Thank you, Ryan. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, everyone. That concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our unbelievable guest. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Constance Dallas, and our associate producer, Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. And until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take care and thank you so much for listening. <laughs>